Hey, we're going to be um, opening the Bible now. We're going to be looking at the life of Jesus together. And we've, we're going to be doing that through a series that we're currently doing called Holy Following Christ. And so if you're visiting this morning, I just want to give you a small catch up just so you know what the context of all of this is. Um, we have, we're going to spend until the end of the year, until Christmas, exploring deeply the, the multifaceted life of Jesus. Uh, Jesus came to give us what he said, parisos zoe in John 10. Parisos zoe, these two Greek words that meant abundant life or a fully satisfied life, life now, um, that, is, that looks like that. And, and so what we've done is we've just drawn up a little bit of a, a reminder for all of us of what that looks like. Uh, the life of Jesus was actually not just a one-dimensional life, but it had these six dimensions to it. He, he was incredibly compassionate. There was a compassionate life to Jesus. There was this prayer-filled nature to Jesus. He, he, he was a prayer-filled, contemplative person, uh, just as much as he was an action social activist on compassionate stuff. Word anchored, word anchored means this life in the scriptures. Jesus was all about the scriptures. Uh, the consecrated life, Jesus was holy. Uh, we are to be holy like our God is holy, a consecrated life. The incarnational life, the incarnational life is this thing of the fact that our life is lived in a real time, in a real place. Uh, we don't just sort of go off and join monasteries, but we live it in the world. We live in our workplaces. We live this faith into being in the world. And lastly, the Spirit-empowered life. And we've actually decided to start at the Spirit-empowered life, and we've been looking at that for, uh, this is our fourth week now, and we're going to be finishing up looking at that facet today. Um, and we're going to be doing that with Natalie, who's going to be sharing on establishing rhythms of renewal. So why don't you welcome her, and uh, Natalie's going to come on up. Let's welcome her, eh? Come on. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for the gift that Natalie is in our community. We thank you for her prep. We thank you for her work. We thank you for what she's done to this point. And now we just ask, Lord, that, that you would breathe upon the skeleton of this moment, the words that she has prepared, and you bring to life what she has prepared, Lord, that life would come, life abundant would come. So, Lord, would we have ears to hear and eyes to see? Would we have a heart ready to believe and be challenged and transformed by what you're saying to us today in this moment as we... Uh, learn from your way, as we learn from your scriptures, as we learn from the, the heritage of the faith, the tradition of our churches. Lord, as we step into that story today and have a good look around with Natalie leading us as the guide, Lord, would we, would we see some things today, we pray. Bless her as our speaker. Bless her as she shares in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dan. <clears throat> All right. I am... Um did some karaoke last night, so hopefully my voice lasts <laughs> through this morning. Um, but yeah, like Dan said, though for the last four weeks, we've been in the spirit renewal, the spirit-empowered life facet of the life of Jesus, um, part of the abundant life that Jesus offers us. And together we've asked this question, how does God move in our lives? How does he do that through the spirit-empowered life? Does he do that? And we've said that, yes, he does. Through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, he indwells us in some mysterious way and he empowers us to live lives by the Spirit. And if you've missed these last few weeks, I really encourage you, go back, go back, have a listen to the podcast. Um, it's such a great setup to get us to today where we're gonna, all going to land the plane. So today, I want to continue this conversation and end it and ask if we live through the spirit-empowered life, how do we sustain it for the long haul? 
How do we establish rhythms to live into the spirit-empowered life? So it's not just left behind in July and then we kind of move on, but it's in it for the long term. So I wanna kick off with three stories of renewal, starting with our scripture reading for today. So if you could please stand with me for the reading of scripture and we'll read it together. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn to Acts chapter two. Open it up on your phone, um, however you can do that. So Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire approached and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Alamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Credans, and Arabs. And we hear these people speaking in our own languages around the wonderful things God has done. They stood there, amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. This is the word of the Lord. Feel free to grab a seat. Our second story of renewal this morning starts in the winter of 1870 with an African-American man called William Seymour who was born in Louisiana and who was the son of freed slaves. Seymour, uh, with virtually no opportunity for education in the heart and the center of the Ku Klux Klan, worked hard in the fields and he drank deeply from the well of black Christian spirituality of the 19th century. Seymour left Louisiana as soon as he could and headed to California. And there, in the most unlikely of places, in the heart of Los Angeles, a work of the Spirit broke forth. On April 9th, 1906, Seymour and seven others were waiting on God in the living room of a janitor called Edward Lee. And they were praying and Seymour anointed Lee with oil and he laid his hands on him when suddenly Lee burst forth in ecstatic speech. And not long after, the five others who were with them also started speaking in tongues and shouting out loud, praising God. And they were filled with day for three days, filled with joy for three days. And this little prayer group of cooks, janitors, laborers, washwomen, carried on celebration of worship to God. And the news of this event quickly spread and the city was stirred and crowds gathered and services were held in an old building on Azusa Street. People came from all around and fell down at the power of this Holy Spirit as they approached. People were baptized, the sick were healed, and sinners received salvation. 
And even more remarkable, people from every race and social class and ethnicity came together and were worshipping together in 1906 in Los Angeles. And services were held morning, afternoon and evening, flowing into each other as one continuous worship experience and people were spilling out onto the sidewalks. Richard Foster writes about this event, saying, the miracle Seymour has been seeking has happened. By the power of the Spirit, a revolutionary new type of Christian community was born. The color line was washed away in the blood. And Seymour himself wrote this, the Pentecostal power, when you sum it up, is just more of God's love. If it doesn't bring more of God's love, it is simply a counterfeit. Pentecost means to live right in the 13th chapter of Corinthians, which is the standard. The spirit empowered renewal brought change and unity. And for Seymour, this was the real marker of the Holy Spirit. Genuine Christian love uniting above all else. And finally, a renewal story of our own. In the week leading up to Pentecost this year, a few months ago, we held a contemplative service in Community Hall. We immersed ourselves in the story of Jesus ascending up to heaven and Pentecost. We read the passages in Acts where Jesus told his disciples that he was going away And with them, we experienced some of those emotions that they would have felt. And together, once again, we experienced that marvellous Pentecost event where the Holy Spirit was poured out. And there were people in the room prophesying and praying in tongues. And there was an echo of loud voices singing to glorify God. And we lit candles and we held them as symbols for the flame of the Holy Spirit now also being in us. And people were anointed with oil and blessed. And it also looked like saying some audit liturgy together. There was also some soft, silent contemplation at the wonder of the moment. Whispers of Holy Spirit, come. And there were really loud moments and there were quiet moments. And there was prophecy and silence. It was a spirit renewed moment. But without the Holy Spirit, that evening would have been words on a page. The Spirit takes these things, He takes the people, He takes the hearts we bring to Him and He animates them and He promises to meet us. There are moments in time where the Holy Spirit moves powerfully to renew us into a deeper Spirit-empowered life. And again, we ask, how does God move in our lives? And we say, through the Holy Spirit who brings these renewals, He stirs our hearts and He meets us in moments and He writes new stories. He brings our dead bones to life like he did at that very first Pentecost outpouring for the disciples, like he did at Azusa Street, like he did at our very humble contemplative gathering, and like he does in our lives continually.
So let's look a little deeper at that very first outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Scripture and see what we can glean from that. Acts 2. This is going to be kind of a very quick little exegesis. So take a breath. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. So the day of Pentecost here, though we think, oh, yep, that's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In the first century, it was the 50th day after Passover. So it was a feast that they celebrated yearly, celebrating the giving of the law of Moses on Mount Sinai. And Luke here, the writer of Acts, is drawing a very clever parallel, saying that it was the celebration of this first law of Moses, of the giving of the Ten Commandments. But at this Pentecost, God was doing a new thing. Here, the blowing wind symbolises the presence of God, and rather than it being on top of the mountain with Moses where he got the tablets, now it's in the house. God is present with his people now in a whole new way. And we move on to verse 3, saying, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so this is the first time the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit is used in our Bibles as applying to everyday people. And it wasn't just one of the disciples, it was all of them. They spoke in these other tongues, which commentators here interpret to mean intelligible foreign languages, understandable to different parts of the Roman world. And we see that as we move through the text. So I want to say today, just loud and clear, that if you haven't spoken in tongues, does not mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. Jesus is very clear that we all receive the Spirit. There is no criteria about it. But here in Acts 2, these various tongues and languages emphasize how a new and diverse people group are all the people of God's presence. God is doing a new thing here on this Pentecost moment, and it looks like unity and inclusion. It's this kind of redemption moment of the Tower of Babel where actually where people spoke different languages, now they can understand each other. And we saw this in the Azusa Street revivals too, where people from all races worship together. The heart of the Spirit is to unite, to unite his people and create the church. And as a side note, I also want to say this. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. So often we think about the Spirit as kind of, you know, the force in Star Wars. Or, you know, a drink of Powerade, a bit of extra fuel we need for the day. But actually, for the disciples here and for Jesus, the Holy Spirit was intensely personal. Jesus calls him the comforter, the advocate. He's a person who mysteriously, and though we don't properly understand it, but indwells us and walks with us, and we're invited to walk with him and be renewed by him.
And last week, we suggested kind of five best practices to start entering into this practice of companionship with the Holy Spirit, to start getting renewed by Him. And we said these five are surrendering prayer, reading the scriptures with Him, nurturing the fruit of the Spirit, discovering and growing your spiritual gifts, and keeping a prophetic journal. And I want to deep delve a little bit more into them now and help us think about them together as rhythms of renewal that's going to sustain us for the long haul. Because absolutely, we need the Pentecost events that the disciples experienced. We need to be refreshed continually by the Holy Spirit. And the disciples also needed the Spirit as they went out and did the work of Jesus day by day following after that. So, we need radical and ordinary rhythms of renewal to sustain the Spirit-empowered life. We need the sacred radical Azusa Street revivals and we need the ordinary moments where we wake up, experience a few minutes of the Spirit's sweet presence. And for all of us in the room, I'm guessing there's one or two of one of these sites that you'll have more experience in and that you'll feel more comfortable in. But I want to stress today that to sustain us, we need rhythms of renewal in both the sacred radical and the sacred ordinary. So what follows are some suggestions on how to incorporate these into our lives so they don't stay behind in July. But that really, for the rest of our lives, the Spirit can empower us to live more abundantly into this life of Jesus. So first, we need the sacred radical. Richard Foster writes this. The charismatic, Spirit-empowered tradition offers an ongoing correction to our impulse to domesticate God. We have a perennial tendency to manage and control the work of the Spirit. We want a nice, tidy God. But as Jesus reminds us, the Spirit blows where He wills. And this is actually a great grace, for it reminds us that God is in charge of this enterprise. That He is alive and active in our world. The sacred radical rhythms invites us to meet the Spirit in spaces of receiving God's word of knowledge, prophecy, speaking in tongues, healing, driving out demons and worshipping. The Spirit blows where He wills and He's the manifest presence of God working out through us. Jesus Himself said in John 14, I tell you the truth that anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. And so, we believe Jesus. We want to believe Jesus. I know I want to believe Jesus. But if you're like me, and these areas of the sacred radical don't come so natural to you, you don't quite know where to start, that's okay. We believe what Jesus says is true, but it can feel overwhelming at the same time to step into this. And so how? How do we start practicing these sacred rhythms of renewal?
Well, first, we ask the Spirit to come and reveal our gifts, and then we try them out. So if you accepted Jesus, you already have the presence of the Spirit in you. And all you need is the Spirit to come and awaken the gifts you already have. Augustine famously said, without him, we can't, but without us, he won't. So discovering your spiritual gifts really is this partnership between you and the Spirit. So are you willing to work together with him to discover what they are? Are you willing to ask, come Holy Spirit, come and reveal my gifts? That's step one. And then try them out. We only get better with practice. We're on our journey together of learning how to live this life as a church. And the good news is that the Spirit isn't gonna be put off by us trying it out and getting it wrong. That's okay. We won't scare him away. So say you were in worship and you know you saw someone out of the corner of your eye or even a friend you that just came to mind and you thought, oh, you know, I have a word for this person. I feel like there's something the Spirit is pressing on my heart. And then you start doubting yourself and you go, oh, is that me? Is it just, am I just hungry because it's almost lunchtime? That's why I have a word about food or... Is that really the Spirit? I just, I don't know. I want to suggest today that you start just trying it out by humbly going up to the person and saying, I could be wrong and this could be totally off, but I feel the Spirit saying, the Lord will provide food for you tomorrow. Can I pray for you? And the beauty of doing this thing together is that the Spirit blows where He wills. He's not going to be quenched by us trying some things out and getting some things wrong. That's all part of it, and that's all okay. There's only one rule to trying it out, and that is do it in love. Always encourage and respect the other person. Ask someone if you can pray for them and they'll look after them as you do. And make it your way to pray for them about this word, that the worst outcome is that the person feels loved. Together as a church family, we can create the space where it's okay to try. Second, in the sacred radical, find a mentor with wisdom and encouragement in this area. There are people in this church with well-developed gifts in the sacred radical, and you hear them at the back sometimes in worship. Find someone who you can learn from, who you can ask to pray for you or lay hands on you, and open you up more to the spirit-empowered rhythms of renewal. For me, I didn't grow up with much talk of the spirit, Throughout my childhood, it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible as the Holy Trinity. And the Holy Spirit was a forgotten stranger, very sadly. But as I read my Bible more, I felt myself longing for more of the presence and the gifts of this Spirit that Paul keeps talking about throughout his letters. And I had a good friend who one day just asked, 
shall we pray for you to speak in tongues? And that was so foreign to me. All my eyebrows were raised. I was like, oh, sure. And she prayed. And for a good few weeks, nothing happened. We were just kind of praying. And then one day, very, very slowly, just a few simple sounds started coming out of my mouth. And I just sensed this incredible peace overwhelm me where I knew that the Holy Spirit was within me, praying on behalf of people I didn't even know. And it wasn't about the speaking, it was about the unity, about the Spirit coming and uniting His church in love. And I have a very long way to go in this area, but I'm willing. And maybe that's all you need today, a willingness for someone wiser in this area, especially if this area is uncomfortable, for someone to just pray for you. And finally, and this one especially, if this is an area you're really comfortable in already, is to regularly test your experiences in the Spirit. Run your experiences by people you trust. Test that they're consistent with what has been revealed through scriptures and the sayings of Jesus. If you get a word that you'll own a house in the Bahamas with two Ferraris, chances are that it's not of the Spirit. I mean, it might be, it might be, but throughout scripture, the Spirit is always advocating for the poor and for the oppressed. So, you know, probably not. So test what your sense the Spirit is saying with scriptures and honest people. You know, a few weeks ago, if you were here, Aaron, uh, one of our guest speakers who came in, had a prophetic word about our church, saying we are like the people upstream who are calling down to those who are still tentatively coming up downstream and saying to them, the source is good. The source is good. And a question for us today might be, what have you done with that word we've received? Did you talk about it or pray about it some more? And then a couple of weeks ago, Dan had a a word for people um, who were treating the Holy Spirit like consuming a meal without ever communing at the table. Like a student coming in to eat their parents' food, but not to have a conversation or relationship. Did you reflect on that word? These are things for us as a community and a church to hold together and to test, and we're invited to do so. All right, moving on to the other side then, the sacred, ordinary rhythms. We need these. These are the weekly, daily, yearly rhythms that deeply transform us. They're the habits and the practices in our lives where the Spirit over time grows a really deep fruit in us. James K.A. Smith says this, too often we look for the Spirit in the extraordinary when God has promised to be present in the ordinary. And if this sounds absolutely boring to you, I want to challenge you today that you might be missing out on a whole ordinary daily dimension that the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. 
Because as we talked about last week, the Spirit isn't primarily interested in these messy moments we have, one kind of um, once off. But He's interested in growing a very deep fruit in our life. He wants to make us people of love, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. And over time, these rhythms of renewal with the Spirit become the sweetest, most beautiful moments in our lives. And we want to have more and more and more of them. So the first rhythm, I just want to reiterate today, is surrendering prayer. Just praying, come Holy Spirit. Start your day with praying that just a few times. Come, Holy Spirit, come. And some of you are not morning people, and I get it. I feel like I just kind of came awake around nine this morning. But the sweetest moments with the Spirit for you might be just before bed or sometime within the day. But there is something to be said, I think, with starting your day with inviting the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't have to be an hour in fasting at 4 a.m. It can be simple prayer. And scientists tell us the best way to do this, to build new habits, because often we've got good intentions, but we just forget. We just forget to do this. Um, so the best way to build a new habit is to tag it on to an existing habit. The more specific and regular, the better. So to get super practical, if you make your coffee every day and you kind of, you know, scoop it into your pour over, can you tag onto that habit just saying, come, Holy Spirit? Or, you know, if you pour your coffee in your cup, just say, pour in me, Holy Spirit. And this might sound super silly, um, and these are not magic words to say, but it is a way to kind of posture our hearts towards the Holy Spirit, to tune in to what he's doing and put our hearts in front of him at the start of the day. Second, we intentionally read the scriptures with the Spirit. Like with our contemplative service, all we did was wrote some words on a page. It is the Spirit who brings things to life. So we believe here that um, if, we, if we read the Bible, it's more than words on a page. It's words written through human hands in partnership with the Spirit that reveal God to us. It reveals the mighty, powerful God to us. And we need the Holy Spirit to awaken us to this truth, to be our teacher as we read the Scriptures. So reading the Scriptures with the Spirit means inviting Him to show you things that you don't think you would have otherwise seen. Waiting and listening. Jotting things down in a journal. And sometimes you hear things, sometimes you don't, and that's okay. It's reading the scriptures for transformation over time to meet this person, the Holy Spirit, to, meet, to read the scriptures for encounter, not information. And then finally, a rhythm to sustain us in the sacred ordinary is to create daily rhythms of renewal. Dallas Willard wrote this about caring for our souls. He said the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. Frank Lobach was a missionary who tried to really practice this. 
and he did fun little experiments in his life with prayer, and he played what he called the game of minutes, and he tried for every minute of the day to bring God back to his mind for a few seconds. And another thing he did was called flesh prayers. At a station in India where he was sitting, he wrote, this morning, as I came from the train and prayed for all the people in the street, I felt new energy surge into me. What it does to all of them to receive that instant prayer, I may never know. But what it does for me is electrical. It drives out fatigue and thrills one with eager power. And given your life and stage, these two games, games of his might sound impossible. And that's okay. But the essence of the question is this. Are you willing to experiment with practices to bring God back to mind at moments throughout your day? Maybe you can work in a quick prayer walk at your lunch hour or switch off the radio on your drive home from work and process the day with the Holy Spirit. Dallas Willard wrote this, soon, doing these things soon, our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass, constantly return, as the needle of a compass, constantly returning to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. And I love that, that over time, through these practices of renewal, our minds will become like the needle of a compass who keeps returning back north, back to God, back to what the Spirit is doing. And to close, I just want to say this again. To build these sustainable rhythms of Spirit-empowered renewal in our life, we need both the sacred ordinary and the sacred radical. They go hand in hand, like these two hands. They're interlinked, you can't get one away from the other. The one informs the other, the one energizes the other. To have the sacred radical without the sacred ordinary, we um, start, keep living from one messy moment to the next and never have fruit in our life. But to have the sacred ordinary without the radical, we forget the spontaneity, the unpredictable nature of God, the wind who blows where it wills, and we start living under the illusion that we can domesticate God. We're invited with two feet to walk in both these rhythms of renewal in the spirit-empowered life. Worship team, if you want to come back up, I want to end today by taking you back to one of the stories I started with. Back to our Pentecost contemplative service. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit together to come through the practice of song and liturgy. We're going to re-engage our hearts now by standing and singing together a song. And then I'll lead you in a liturgy together. The church has always sung so church today, let's stand together and let's sing and invite Wairua Tapu to come.